someday have with a husband or wife or, you know, whatever, that those are enclosed systems, and they're meant to be enclosed. That's the way God designed them. But just like our planet, toxins can be introduced to it and kept in there. So when we sit, we go outside. I got this crazy neighbor who has this gigantic truck, and it's, just, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. I, I, I drool. I don't know if I've ever told you no, this. You didn't. I've, I've, got, I've got truck envy of the guy across the street. But it's this giant it's blue horrible. Ford truck, and he's got this automatic starter on it, which is really cool. And he presses that dang button from inside the house and sits there for four hours. And it sits there and runs. And I'm like, Half oh, I love that truck. Why is it still running? And, and you know, he's just dumping stuff into our environment. It's got to go somewhere, right? And we all do that eventually. You know, you can debate global warming and all that stuff, but eventually all that stuff's got to go somewhere. I mean, our food has got toxins in it. We've got toxins in our body. That's the way impurity is in our relationships. When we introduce pornography into that enclosed system, when we introduce an emotional affair into that enclosed system, when we do introduce a physical affair into that enclosed system, it poisons the whole thing. And so we got to deal with both sides of this, our outward behaviors and our inward behaviors. All right, so I'm going to start and talk about outward behaviors. Will you guys grab your Bibles with me or your phones or whatever you have and go to Proverbs 5, 7, and 8. I will give you a moment to find it. It's right smack in the middle of the Bible practically, so that helps. Proverbs 5, 7, and 8. All right, now are we, I'll give you one more minute. I already had it. Saved. Those phones are so much slower than these old school books. All right. Now then, my sons or daughters, um, listen to me. Do not turn aside from what I say. Keep to a path far from her or him. Do not go near the door of her house. Uh, if you read through Proverbs, there is a lot of advice on staying away from the adulteress, from, from temptation. It says um, often, it uses words like flee, stay away. Stay far, far away. Don't go down that path. You see it, turn and go the other way. Um, the next one, you just turn your page over. It's Proverbs 7, 19 through 25. So what this is, is this is about um, a woman, a crafty woman, and she sees a young man coming along, and he is in big trouble. Here it goes. My husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He took his purse filled with money, and he will not be home till full moon. With persuasive words, she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk. All at once, he followed her, like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer stepping into a noose, till an arrow pierces his liver like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing it will cost him his life. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Pay attention to what I say. Do not let your heart turn to her ways or stray into her paths. So here's this guy just living his life, walking along, and some very attractive, voluptuous woman comes out and puts herself there, bam, smack in his path. My husband's gone. It's that cute stay-at-home mom up the street. She's coming out, and my husband's gone. He's in California on business. Come on in. It's not always so obvious. But I thought, um, before we go on, I want you to think honestly with yourselves. Um, we're all different. How are you tempted? Whether you're single, married, how are you tempted? There's probably almost as many ways as there are people here. Are you tempted um, by TV? 
Are you tempted with books? Are you a reader and you can just go into that world? Are you tempted by the computer? Pornography, click, click, it's easy, click. Um, about pornography is, um, we think it's something for like the guys struggle with, but I want you to tell you it's not really, it's not the case anymore. It's pretty much the same. Women and men, 17% um, of women struggle with pornography and 20% of men. The statistics were different from different places, but basically the point is that um, it doesn't matter if you're a female or a male. But I want to say this to you, um, ladies, if you struggle with pornography, because this is how we're different from men, is we don't get help because we're embarrassed, um, because women don't snuggle, struggle with pornography. Women are more likely to live with it their entire lives and never tell a single soul. And that's sad because you're trapped. There's no freedom. And in Christ, we can be free from everything. Um, that entail and like brings you down. So um, I wanted to say that to you if you struggle. Um, don't hide. Be free. People here won't judge you. We all have things that tempt us. Um, one of the things that was pretty awesome for Jamie and I is because we were able to share this week, this is what tempts me. Talk about honest and hard. That was really awkward at first. This is what tempts me, Jamie. And he could say, this is what tempts me, Heidi, and we help me. Um, this isn't where I was going to put this, but I have a good friend who goes to this church, and she says to me, we ask each other questions. How are we doing? How are we doing? How are you doing? Are we, are we, I mean, you see all these things around you. We're kind of at the age now where people start to get divorced, right? And a lot of times you're surprised. Everyone's surprised. They're surprised. You're surprised. Everyone's surprised. And I don't know. What, what, how are we doing? Like, how are you doing? With this, is this bothering you tonight? What can I do to help you? Um, ask each other. Be honest. I, at first it was hard, but now I can say there's nothing, there's nothing that I bring now between us. Things that I thought I couldn't tell, you know, this is what tempt. I'm, I'm a human, guys. There are things that tempt me, right? I am a human. It's true, and so is Jamie. Um, and there are things that tempt us, and he knows now. And I told him, and there's a huge freedom. And I know if you're not married, you're like, well, I don't have anybody. I don't have a spouse. I also need my spiritual friends. You need, you need a spiritual friend. You need someone who you can tell and who will let you be, will pray with you. Um, I have some here who I told this week, this when I was talking about it. And, and she's like, well, have you told Jamie? And I'm like, no. <laughs> so just there. That's a spiritual friend. She'll still be my friend. Um, and they take time, but I encourage you, do the work of finding someone. Uh, Jamie has spiritual friends. This is practical. Jamie has spiritual friends. He has a friend from college. They will just call each other, whatever. It doesn't have to be like, just, oh my gosh, I'm tempted. I got to call this person. No, it comes out of a friendship where you share everything. Um, it's not somebody that you just have, oh my gosh, I screwed up. I'm going to call. It has to be someone that's there for the joys and the sorrows. So, oh, I got distracted. Sorry. So I want you to ask yourself, and maybe ask your spouse, be brave enough today. Be brave enough. How are you, or your friend if you're single. How are you tempted? How can I help you? Um, let's see, since I got a little distracted. I'm not, I'm, I'll, get, I'll get this. 
doing a fabulous job. Thank you. I think, um, oh, okay, sorry. To end, I wanted to read this verse to you. It's out of the message for um, outward purity. It's from the message, so I'll read it. It's 1 Corinthians 10, 12 through 13. Don't be so naive and self-confident. You're not exempt. You could fall flat on your face as easily as anyone else. Forget self-confidence. It's useless. Cultivate God confidence. No test or temptation that comes your way is beyond the course of what others have had to face. All you need to remember is that God will never let you down. He'll never let you be pushed past your limits. He will always be there to help you come through it. Um, I, I learned this at, in high school when I was 15. I went to a private school, and most of my friends were like PKs. And my friend was 15, and she came to us, and she said, I'm pregnant. Her dad's a pastor. His dad's a pastor. I'm pregnant. And in their denomination, they don't get to be pastors anymore. If your kids get pregnant, obviously you weren't taking care of them like you should. And she came to us, and I thought, oh, my gosh. It just stripped any lies because I thought, if Karen can get pregnant, so can Heidi. And she sat there, and she said, we were alone in my parents' house on the couch for only an hour. And she told us, don't let it happen to you. Don't let it happen to you. Don't be so naive. There's no one that is above temptation in this room. Um, things do get easier as you mature, um, but don't, don't be naive. Don't put yourself in a comparable situation. So that's what I wanted to share. But remember that God will never let you down. He will never let you be pushed past your limits. He will always be there to help you come through. So when I was a tree worker, I had this friend, and uh, the, the guy I worked for and I, he was, he's one of my spiritual friends, and we would talk about things that we struggled with, and, you know, pornography is one of those things that comes up in conversations with men, with so many who struggle with it. And um, so this other guy was sitting there listening to us, and uh, later that day, we were in the truck together driving somewhere, and he goes, can I, can I ask you something? I'm like, sure. He's like, I just don't get this idea of struggling with pornography. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, I, I just don't get it. I don't struggle with it all. I just click, click, click. This is easy, click. This isn't a struggle. What, what do you guys mean struggling with this stuff? You know, and why does it matter if I don't look at pornography? I mean, gee, I mean, and you know, really for him with no, no spiritual relationship with God to speak of, with no other marriage relationship or healthy relationships in his life that he's trying to protect, suddenly I got loud. Um, the, it's a good question. Why? Why struggle against it? Why does it matter? Um, you know, it matters because purity isn't just an outward thing. It's not just something we do. It's not just not click, 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 but it's what happens on the inside. Jesus said it this way, and I really like it. He says, but I tell you, and, and Jan brought this up earlier. He said the other half of this one, this scripture, but it's from uh, Matthew 5.28. He says, but I tell you, anyone that looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. In his heart. So those outward behaviors, looking and lusting and, and, and touching and, you know, whatever it is that happens to be that leads us to impurity, affects the inward heart. 
And if we stop ourselves from looking at pornography and, and having a, you know, affairs and things like that, just stopping those things doesn't mean the inside's clean. Jesus said it another way. He was talking about a cup. He said, look, that cup, the outside of it's all dirty, but the inside's clean, so the cup is clean. It's not what's on the inside that makes, it's not what's on the outside of the cup that makes it clean, but what's on the inside. And it was funny, Heidi and I were talking about this yesterday, and I was like, talking about that scripture, and Emma is in the other room, I don't know what she's doing, cooking something amazing, and all of a sudden she goes, that reminds me of the dishwasher. I'm like, what? She goes, it's like our dishwasher. You stuff it full of those cups, and you pull it out, and they're dirty inside. And I go, oh, man, how many of you hate that? You know, you go to the dishwasher, you pull that sucker out, and you fill it with a big glass of milk, right? And you're just like, oh, milk, and you down that thing, and right there at the bottom of that cup. Oh, yeah. Some of you guys are squirming. The things that we do on the outside in this world affect the inside of the cup. It affects the heart. And we can do all the right things on the outside and still be dirty on the inside. We can stick ourselves in the dishwasher nine times in a day and still have that gunk stuck to the bottom of the cup. If it wasn't for Jesus. If it wasn't for Jesus. How do we foster that inward purity? David, the king, asked that question. He's like writing psalms. He's writing music. Crazy guy. He likes to ask questions. He's writing music. He's writing music. He's like, oh, this one's going to be awesome for the old band of liars. You know, not liars, but the lute players, guys. And, and he says this. He goes, how can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. I will seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against who? Not so that I might not sin against Heidi, or that I might not sin against my daughter, both my daughters and my son, or that I might not sin against you, the church, so that I might not sin against God. God is the ultimate in these relationships, the third strand that binds our hearts together. And ultimately, when we introduce pure impurity to our relationships, we sin against God, not just our spouse. It's a double whammy. It's a double whammy. So what goes on on the inside matters. So how do we foster inward purity in our lives? Silver bullet, you ready? Seek God. Seek the one with your two. Here's what happens, though. We get into our two relationships. Heidi and I have been married 14 years. About year nine, I'm making this up. Specifically, <laughs> nothing happened at year nine um, that I remember. I mean, year nine was great. <laughs> liking this speaking together thing. This is I was liking You it. were liking it until just now. Um, it's just metaphorically, hypothetically, um, and other lees. Uh, year nine, you get the nine-year itch. Oh, it's the seven-year itch. That's what it was the year I was going for, the seven-year itch. And you find out that your two doesn't do everything you want her to do. She's not filling every need in your life. She's not the best conversationalist. You know, guys, we get home late at night after work, and what do we want to do? We want to sit and talk for hours, don't we? <laughs> Look at John's face. That's yeah. priceless. <laughs> Some of us are more different than others. He actually does talk a lot. <laughs> and she just doesn't want to listen. She doesn't want to talk at all. It's the craziest thing. i got to talk to somebody, don't I? I'm looking for my wife to fill certain needs in my life. And those needs are, they're appetites. We each have appetites, right? We've all got appetites. We've got appetites for pizza, we've got appetites for ice cream, we've got appetites for cheese, 
And we've got appetites for beer. We've got appetites for wine. We got I'm just listing off all the best things in the world, aren't I? Chocolate. And so we have, you know, this is the best things. We have these appetites, these desires. And we have appetites in our relationships that aren't just sexual. But sometimes they are. And when you're two, you finally discover after seven years, nine years, 14 years, 27 years, that that two isn't filling every hole, every appetite in your life. You go look for a three to fill those holes. The point, though, is not that you go look for a three, but that when you discover that your two is not filling all those needs, you find out, guess what? She's not made to fill all those needs. He's not made to fill all those needs. Only God. Seek God. I will seek you with all of my heart. We can only give our spouse, our significant other, we can only give them what we haven't given God. No, that's not true. Let me restate that. <laughs> Let me restate that. I hate that when I get there. I'm like, wait a minute. I disagree with that. I disagree with me. We can only give our two, our whole self, once we've given it to God. That's what I was trying to say. Is that better? Yeah. You're like, wow, I agree with that. Amen. Preach it, brother. Another one. You get off the stage. But often we don't. Because we're so busy focused on our appetites. We're hungry. We go to the refrigerator and we're like, I need something. There's something I'm needing. There's something I'm missing. Let's see what can I find. I'm going to eat a whole bag of, of chips and, and two bags of marshmallows and a burrito. And boy, that seemed to fill the hunger, but gosh, it's going to kill me. That's how we do it. It's what we do. Seek God. Secondly, See, now, last time Heidi preached, everybody goes, she's so practical. And I'm like, I work so hard to be practical. And you're just, uh. So I'm trying to be practical. And that's as practical as it gets. Seek God. If you, you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. The only silver bullet for a relationship with God. Seek God. Secondly, develop a spiritual friendship like we talked about. Having somebody that's other than your two who can ask you, how are you doing? How are you doing? How are you doing on the inside? How is your heart? Are you lusting? Are you, you struggling to want something that, that it, your spouse can't provide and you're looking for love in all the wrong places? How many of you know that song? The most prophetic song of all times. Looking for love in all the wrong places. Yeah, I mean, that's what we do. There's only one place to look for love, and that's with God. And thirdly is to ask questions. I'm a visual person. This is one of our conversations we had this week. Um, we go to a restaurant, and she's learned to position me away from the TV. Okay, I hate TVs in restaurants. I don't know why they put them there, but I'm like, basketball. I know nothing about basketball, but look, they're moving and throwing things and sweating. And I, and I just can't take my eyes off of it. So I'm really easily distracted, very visual. And... I could be driving through town, and a young college gal could be prancing down the street, because that's what college girls do, is they prance, apparently. And, they're, and I'd be like, and in that moment, here's what happens. There's a choice. I can dwell, or I can ask myself a question. Is she worth it? Is she worth it? she is dwelling on that girl and allowing my mind to go someplace with her or meeting a girl like that and allowing a relationship to develop worth what I have right here? Is it worth what I have with my kids, the trust, 
the care, the honor of one another? Is it worth destroying all that? My relationship with God, is it worth the place that I have come to with God? And it's, I wouldn't even suggest that it's all that far. But God is so amazing and he loves me and he's forgiven so much to violate that trust and that love and to violate what he did on the cross. Is it worth it? I can almost, sometimes, and this almost makes my wife sound like a Nazi or something, I can almost see her standing there going, is she worth it? <laughs> Ask yourself, is it worth it? Is it worth it? Are you seeing the other person that you're looking at as God sees them? Okay, let's talk about this just real briefly. This special little wooden thing we have over here. This is what Jesus thinks you are worth. This is what Jesus thinks the young college girl prancing down the street is worth. This is what God thinks that male waiter who is so sexy is worth. Do you see this when you look at everybody else? More importantly, do you see yourself through these eyes? Are you seeing yourself for what you're worth? Ask questions. Have friends who will help ask questions. But above all, seek God. Now, in impurity, I think we can have four responses. I'm going to do this really quickly. Because Heidi still has a half hour of message to go. Um, what happens. You get two people who like to preach, you get two 45-minute sermons instead of just one. Four ways you can respond to impurity in your life. One, defensiveness. It's her fault. You know, if she hadn't shown up and her clothes hadn't exploded, nothing would have happened. <laughs> if my wife had only fulfilled every need and longing in my life, I wouldn't be in this place, right? Defensiveness. Denial. Not just a river in Africa. Denial. And I, it was just, you guys have never heard that? Oh my goodness. They've heard it, huh? Whoa, it was a delayed moan. Denial. Oh, it was just one click. It wasn't that big a deal. It was just one website. You know, it's not really, you know, it's just, just a TV show. It was just one scene. It wasn't so bad. It wasn't really introducing impurity into my marriage, right? Yes, it is. No matter how small it is, this is God's holiness that we're talking about. This is your marriage, your relationship, your purity that we're talking about. And it's easily defiled. Remorse. Man, I really wish I hadn't got caught. There is a difference between I'm sorry and I wish I hadn't got caught. And I know that difference because I've lived in it. I've lived there. There's been times in my life people confront me of things, and I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. But in my heart, it's like, dang it, I wish they hadn't seen that. I wish that, you know, and I'm, I'm not actually sorry because I really just want to go back to being mean or being rude or being whatever it is that that con confrontation brought. That's, that's remorse. I'm sorry I got caught. But the only, only way to really respond righteously and rightly is repentance. Repentance says, I'm sorry. Not only am I sorry, but I recognize that I have damaged this. And I've damaged this. I've made a mess of it. I recognize your pain. I'm sorry. I recognize your hurt. 
I recognize the damage. 2 Corinthians 7.10 says, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation. And this is the best part. Icing on the cake, cherry on top, leads to a life with no regrets. Man, when I got married, the day I stood with Heidi, I think this was about right, and I tried putting the ring on the wrong hand, um, what I was saying from this day forward, I want to live with no regrets. And I'm saying it right now. I'm looking at, this is a very tender moment, you guys. So look away. Um, how many of you want to live life with no regrets? We all do. The only way to live a life with no regrets is repentance. Repentance that leads to salvation. Um, and as she finishes, yeah. the worship team, come on up. Um, we call this from this day forward because we know that God can forgive and he can heal and restore from this day forward. Um, we believe that God gives God moments. We believe in God moments. And God moments can cause you to reshape who you are. A God moment can cause you to rethink what you do. And a God moment can help you redefine to redefine how you live. I'm going to read that real quick. It can help you reshape who you are. God moments can help you rethink what you do and redefine how you live. Uh, we felt like we couldn't end today without saying, if you are there today, if you are in that place where you are committing adultery, if you're in that place where you're in an affair, if you're trapped in pornography and you can't get out, um, we want you to know that we are here for you. Um, I, I can't help you. I can pray for you. <laughs> That's huge. I can't do it on my own, but I have a big God, and I would be, I'd be honored to pray with you. Honored. And so would Jamie. We have people in the back today who um, I want you to know we trust them. We don't just say, hey, you go pray. We, Jamie and I ask people today who you can go and you can share whatever. And um, we, Jamie and I have went and we found resources um, so that we can help guide you to help. We've went and we've done work this week. And we will go through with you and we will help you find help. Because how can you like, give this message and be like, have fun, you're on your own. So, um, yeah, we want to say that we're here for you. Um, yeah. So, Jamie.